0: Years ago, when we just had Antenna TV, you'd sometimes watch a movie. And they would say, this movie has been edited for content and formatted to fit your screen. Well, tonight, this this sermon has been edited to fit the time slot. And it has been edited while I was sitting here because uh, the church was doing God's business with good Baptist debate, and that can be a very healthy thing. But right now, we change our focus, and we're going to think about an ordination of a new elder. There is nothing any more significant than doing that. It affects Jason's life and his family. It affects our church, so we must get it right. I am going to edit things and ask you to work with me in that. I do want you to know that I've known the Gish family for many years. As a matter of fact, I have known the family before Isaac was born, And I'm so glad that I know them now because he's been a delight on our mission trips to Moldova and an impressive young man. Ian was actually just a baby when they came to our church in Waco where I pastored and they were with us for a a period of time. And then God moved them on to other things and we followed their ministry. And I just can say to you that I have absolutely no reservations in being here to bring this message and in the recommendation for Jason to serve our church as an elder. It solves a number of things for our church. First of all, we're getting a a younger man than the rest of us. I figured it up, Brother Andy. Early next year, at least six of the active elders will be 70 years old or older. Now, that's elderly. That is elder-like. He is bringing the next generation and he is coming though with a solid foundation that God has put him on. And I'm looking forward to what we will do. Just in this year, he has taught a Sunday school class and I know the kind of teaching that he, that he brings because I hear of it. This year he led one of the mission teams to Moldova and was so excited about that he remained behind. When our mission team arrived and talked for a second week, he brought the evening messages, and he brought them in such a way that he tied everything together, and he helped those young people hear the message of God. We're getting a fine, as I can say, young man to be an elder. I have four quick things I want to say to you. I'm going to only read, really, a single verse. I had intended to read some other verses, but I'll trust you to read them Can you multitask? Can you read verses for yourself and hear the sermon at the same time? Well, I'm going to ask you to do that. In Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, is one of the places where it lists the qualifications that come of a man of leadership, such as an elder or a pastor, in this position. And Paul is explaining these things to Titus. So what I wanted to describe to you is what I think this passage is saying and let you do the reading of it. I think God wants men of good standing in the church and the community, those with a clean record of conduct and of solid character. I think he wants men with a commitment to God's pattern and God's standards for his family. And let me tell you, you can see that in the Gish family if you just take time to look. God wants men who do not waste their lives through bad choices. God wants men who manage their affairs with an understanding that everything in this world belongs to God and not to use them for personal gain. God wants men who are not self-indulgent, seeking their own way, but recognizing the value of others. God wants men who control their tempers and choose to respond to pressures in a godly manner rather than to react in a quick manner without thinking. God wants men who are sober in mind and body. Elders never know, just like a pastor, when they will receive an important call to serve or to advise in a moment's notice. To be temporarily out of service due to the use of external substances is unacceptable. We have to be on call for the people entrusted with our care as elders at all times. God wants men who are totally honest in their business dealings. God wants men who are friendly and gracious to others. They initiate contact. They don't stand back and wait for others to do it. God wants men who love what is good and sensible and just. They may have strong feelings about society, but they focus first on God. He wants men who do not need someone else to guide their behavior and their attitudes and jumpstart them They are self-starters. He wants men who will handle the Word of God so carefully that their interpretations are accurate and they are true to the proper content in context. And they understand the timeless nature of the Bible. Now, I hope you heard that last phrase. The timeless nature of the Bible. It is for all generations. The creator of the word of God is for all generations forever. He wants men who have allowed his word to be placed deeply in their hearts so that when a situation arises, God's spirit can remind them of what to say and to do. It is their way of life. Now, you've lived in this church with elders for five years. I've been one of them for four of those five. I rotated off for a year. And I think I can honestly say to you, we may be serving as elders. We may fit most of this description, but we're still just people. And we have to struggle for wisdom. And we have to pray over matters. And that's why prayers are such an important part of our elders' meetings. That's why the unity, when we vote on something, is essential when elders are meeting. We don't always know the right answer. But somehow in the discussion... We feel that we come around to the right thing to do at the right time when it's most needed. A second thing more quickly is the verse I want to read to you. If you have your Bibles, look at Acts 20 verse 28. Not only do we have those qualifications, but it would be a real mistake tonight to have this, this time without understanding the purpose of elders. Why do you plan a new church? Do you plan a new church because it's the end thing to do? Do you plant a new church because you've got all the money or you've got all the resources? No, you plant a church so that people can hear the Word of God. And more people can be reached for Jesus Christ. Why do you have elders? They have a purpose. Acts twenty twenty eight. He's writing to these such men. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. If Jesus did that for us, then we must watch over it with the same love and sense of sacrifice that Jesus brought to it. We have to do that in two ways. We have to guard our own souls, our spiritual lives, and everything we do. We must be men of the word. We must make application of that word. And we must love Jesus Christ. And out of that love, we must love our church the way Jesus loves it. And not only do we do that and we guard our spiritual walk with him, and that leads us to the second thing is we watch, in a sense, over you as under-shepherds. And that's what a shepherd does. People tease me because I'm the one man in the room that has goats. I don't have sheep, but I have goats. And goats need help. Goats get sick easily. Goats don't know which way to go. Goats don't know what to do for themselves. If they get out of the pen, they can't get back in. They just have problems. And so a shepherd watches over them. And I learned a lesson years ago that when we moved some goats to a different place, they had not been there before and they were crying out. They were crying, bleeding, we would call it. And they were uncomfortable and they were miserable. And I'm the one that does so much feeding of them and care of them. So I made the decision, I'm just going to go where they are. And I went over into the shed or the the pen where the goats were. And I just sat down. And in just a moment, every one of them gathered around me and became quiet and laid down. And since then, I've been known as the old goat. (laughs) I did that because I saw them hurting and afraid. And in that case, I took them back to where they were more comfortable. That's the idea of being an elder. As you look around and when you see people hurting and you see what society is, you're just a shepherd. You sometimes watch the gate to keep the enemy out. And sometimes you feed and sometimes you nurse and sometimes you help them when they're sick. Elders do that because they love you. And also, the elders in this church love our pastor He is our leader, and we don't want to see him carrying the burdens alone. You don't need one shepherd standing in the gate, and he's the only one. There's no one else to guard the rest of the perimeter. So elders work together to do that. Christ's task was not easy, but he completed it. Sometimes the task of being an elder is thankless here, but there's plenty of joy and thanks that we see from God. So we have a purpose and that's to help our church be stronger. A third thing is that an elder needs to use his spiritual gifts properly. One of those lists of those is in, in the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. I'm not going to go over the list of gifts, but that's what you do in an elder's meeting. I'll give you one illustration. Five years ago, when we first started out, we realized we needed somebody to be the secretary. We need somebody to keep the minutes and make sure we did everything correctly and it was recorded and everything was there. God put Mike Miller in as an elder. And I am so thankful. There were nights on my 25-minute drive home from elders meeting and I would go home and sit down and there would be this ding on my computer and the minutes were already prepared and sent out. He used his gift. We wore him down. Absolutely wore him down. He's, he's 10 years older today than he was last year. And Randy Anderson agreed to be the secretary. Carbon copy of efficiency. God has used two men with gifts of administration and put them there at the right time to do it. The rest of us have our area. But that is the one illustration that I will give to you. We all bring something to the table. Every one of us. And that is why there are more than just one of us. But we're learning as we go. I will tell you, we have made some mistakes and we've had to come back and say, let's change that as we have prayed more about it. And that is a sweet spirit that we have there. And then fourth and finally, and in some senses, this is the most important. I again will not read it, but refer to it in Romans 12 verses nine to 18. It calls for unity and love. In verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another. I've never in my life been in a more humble group of men than with the elders. Everybody gives preference to one another. Everybody is respectful and uplifting, and we pray for one another. And we encourage one another. That is so important. and Because if we don't do it, how can we demonstrate that in the church and encourage the church members to be the same with one another, to be devoted? And in verse 16, it says we have to be in the same mind, one to another. That's the one that comes from Christ. We have a rule. When we vote, when we vote on major issues, we must be unanimous. We must all have come to the same conclusion before we send it on. And so I think that has been an important thing for us. There are no divisions in our elder body. And then in verse 18 he says, If if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now let me tell you, in this world, in the media we have today, and what we're exposed to when we listen to talk radio or read the news There is not a lot of brotherly kindness or any other kind of kindness that is there. Everybody seems to be seeking their own agenda and what they want. There's not much peace in the world, but I tell you with Jesus Christ, there can be peace in an elders meeting and there can be peace in God's church. Elders must be men of honesty. They must be devoted to one another. They must be committed to service. They must be men of hope and prayer. They must recognize the needs of a congregation. They must be men of empathy and understand that others have struggles that we don't. They must be men with forgiving spirits. As I've already said, they must be humble. They must be like Christ and seek to do what is right and seek to live in peace. In other words, we have to live the lives that God has chosen us to live. Can our elders do it perfectly? No. But I'll tell you this. I am absolutely convinced that our new elder will bring even more stability, even more of the peace of God, even more wisdom, even more understanding of what the next generation needs. We have taken a step to open up ourselves to new thoughts and new ways. So elders are just men, men that God has called and men that are committed to serving their church. And I'm going to encourage all of us to join Jason in being men of faith and of love who will walk and lead with the best wisdom and courage we have. And I can say for the elders to you, church, it is a joy to serve you. It's work. We mostly meet on Thursday nights. We have so much to do, we limit ourselves to two hours most of the time. It's hard to do because there's so much. And sometimes when it comes time to leave and head in, I think, oh, I wish I didn't have to go anywhere tonight. By the time we close our elders' meeting, my soul is refreshed. My spirit is charged. And I am thankful for First Baptist Church Belton. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for being here as we ordain a new elder. But maybe as you've looked at these tremendous qualifications, maybe as we've given you the names of new men to be deacons, maybe it's crossed your mind, what kind of person am I? Speaking of yourself, am I in God's Word? Do I know God's Word? Do I know God so that He can work in my heart? That's why we always do an invitation. And Brother Andy's going to come. He's going to lead us in that invitation. And it may just be for one of you tonight, Brother Andy.
1: Thank you, Dr. Randy Hughes. We are so grateful to God for that wonderful message. And just what Randy said, maybe the Spirit of God is speaking to one of you to give your heart to Jesus. And that person be you, then when we stand in a moment and sing, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat. Come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And one of our staff members will be here to pray with you, open God's Word, and share with you that tonight you can come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus. And so will you stand and come as God speaks to your heart? It's an honor tonight to present to you Dr. Jason Gish, who is going to step up to the platform and share a few words, whatever God has laid upon his heart. Hopefully you read or heard, saw on the screen, his testimony that he shared while he was in Moldova. You saw the written copy of it. And so Jason is going to share from his heart this evening. God bless you, my brother.
2: So I am about 20 years younger than all the other elders, and they all have more hair than I do. (laughs) So I'm hoping that that might be some type of byproduct somehow that once you start serving that... Hair starts growing back. Uh, is that the case, or did no, no? Okay. Well, then maybe I don't want to be an elder anymore because that's the only reason. I just wanted to be. I'm hoping my hair would grow back. Uh, there's a verse of scripture. It says Psalm 107. It's uh, verse four through eight, and it says, "Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to find a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away." Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. I uh, graduated with my Ph.D. in New Testament studies in 2015 from Southwestern Seminary. And when I started those PhD studies, I had, my, my plan was I was going to be a university professor. I just, I just knew that was what was going to happen. And, uh, that did not happen. And through the, through the course of life, when you kind of lay out a plan and then, and then the plans don't work, you, you get confused. Uh, there was a lot of nights, uh, walking my dog, and the only people who heard the anguished conversation were myself and God and my dog. Of just, God, what are you doing? What's happening? I thought my life was going to go this direction, but but here I am. I'm, I'm an educational aide in a public school making less than $20,000 a year with a Ph.D. What is happening, God? What are you doing? Um, at the same time, though, uh, I was teaching Sunday school here at the church, had that great ministry. Uh, I had a friend, a brother, just have a very deep conversation with me about equating the type of work that you might do on a mission field that I was doing now. Um, how the people I was touching, the students' lives that I was reaching every day, maybe the staff that I was interacting every day, lost and Christian, that that type of interaction would be the types of things that I could write in a letter and send home, say if I were a missionary in France doing this type of work, I could write this letter, send it home, and garner lots of support for what the Lord was doing. And I was missing it. I was missing what the Lord was already doing. I, I cried out to God. I said, "God, what are you doing?" Just like this psalmist here, God, what are you doing? And in my heart and in my spirit, He led me from that point of wilderness and straight to a city where I could settle, where I could be confident that that I knew God was walking with me, and and that that I was walking with God. Um. And in this walk and and in this city now where I have settled, God has saw fit to ask me to be an elder. When I got the call from Randy Hughes, I kind of laughed. That was, that was silly. I'm not worthy to be an elder. I'm not old enough to be an elder, I thought. But, but God changed my mind on that. And just really, it, it was probably a 30-minute conversation with Randy and me struggling and him reassuring me that, yes, the elders wholeheartedly believe this is God's will. And so uh, I eventually, I, I guess about three or four days later, uh, said, yes, okay, let's do this. Uh, there's another verse of Scripture. It's Colossians chapter 1. Here's the image... Of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all. Things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. As an elder, I just want to pledge to you my my, my hope. I, yes, we have a building. Yes, we have a church plant. Yes, we have all these things that God is asking us to do. But my hope and desire should continually point you to Jesus, not to worry about buildings, not to worry about future, not to worry what's going to happen. But we have a Lord and Christ that we focus on. And he takes care of it because he is the head of the church. So my hope is just to continually point you to Christ. And I think the elders feel the same way. Our hope and desire is to continually point the church to Christ our Lord. And so um, thank you, church. Uh, I appreciate you so much. Um, I'm honored uh, to be called one of your elders. I will serve you wholeheartedly. And um, let's keep our eyes on Jesus.